Good morning, everybody. I am pumped up. What a great morning at church it is. There's so many of you here. Worship was incredible. God is moving, merely setting up artwork behind me. It's just going so great. And so um, I'm excited to continue the series with you guys called Practicing the Way of Jesus. I'm really encouraged to hear that uh, you're getting it, you're doing it, and hopefully you're meeting with the Lord by putting these practices in your life. That's what it's all about. So uh, I got another t-shirt on today. I don't normally wear t-shirts, but for this series, I wear t-shirts. Last week, my t-shirt said, unwind. And a lot of you had uh, enjoyed that it was a cassette tape. Some people are still wondering what that is, but that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. Last week, we talked about how I've been on this journey for, I don't know, maybe a year or so of realizing that, that I'm tightly wound and that that causes problems, and that I need to unwind (sighs) and not be so tightly wound. (laughs) And the Lord's been giving me practices to put in my life to do that, and I'm excited to share them with you this month. Um, Last week, we talked about pacing and Sabbath. We talked about getting yoked to Jesus. Like he says in Matthew chapter 11, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We talked about, yes, indeed, setting our phones aside to do that. That was a loud and clear message I'm, I'm getting back from you guys that you heard. Um, and uh, many of you have also shared, either with Marilee or with me, it's gotten back that, you know, you've taken time to rest, to do Sabbath in some form, and that's been really good. I'm glad. Uh, us too. So this week is going to be about what you do with that time that you set aside. Um, Today's t-shirt is, let's see what it says. Be still and know that he is God. Psalm 4610. All right. So I'm wearing it because we're going to deep dive into a practice that I'm calling silence and solitude. That's two words, but one practice, silence and solitude. We're going to read scripture this morning. We're going to check out what good old John Mark Comer and Henry Nowen and Dietrich Bonhoeffer have to say about the subject as we go along. And um, I think you can think of it this way. Last week was all about moving at the rhythm and pace of Jesus. This week is all about tuning in to what God has to say. Be still and know that he is God. Silence and solitude. That's what we're going to do today. All right. So I want to start this morning with a question. And this A piece of Rhema art is here to help you as a visual aid as you ponder the question. It's a hear. (laughs) Dan said it's a hearing aid, not a visual aid. That's true. Well played. You're on fire this morning too, Dan. (laughs) Don't get him started. Okay. Oh, where were we? Oh, yeah. Hearing aid. So the question I want you to think about this morning is, who has your ear? Is it news anchors, podcasters, social media influencers, musicians, actors, friends and family, teachers, maybe your pastor? That's a good one. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Maybe it's the mental track that plays in your mind that's based on your life experiences. But who has your ear? is an important question. 
So many voices are vying for your attention. There are literally millions of people publishing perspectives, opinions, and advice that you can take in. You could fill every second of every day just trying to consume and process every voice that's out there. There's an endless stream of noise being pumped into our brains, whether through our ears or through our eyes, the world is barraging us with messages. To be a faithful follower of Jesus, we need to make make space for him to speak. He waits for us in the still, quiet place. There's plenty of harmful things that you could give ear to, but even good things take up ear space. Does God's word have your ear? Is there room in your head space for him to speak a word, to give you direction, encouragement, to convict you of wrong, to love you, to remind you that he is God? Our old buddy JMC said, the noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we most need. In the noisy atmosphere of this world, we can use silence and solitude to make space for God. We can use this practice to turn down the volume on the voices of the world around us. And we can tune in to see what God has to say. So what exactly do I mean by the practice of silence and solitude? We got to start to define it a little bit. Well, silence is getting quiet. Solitude is getting alone. When we finally get quiet and alone, there's room for God's word to speak. So silence and solitude does not mean that you sit in total silence the whole time. It does mean that all external inputs, including our phone, we got that, Bill, we got that. (laughs) All external inputs and even our own thoughts are put on mute Our phone and our mental to-do lists, our cares and concerns are temporarily powered down so that we can make room for God and only him to speak. Really smart Jesus followers agree that this practice is vital to our relationship with God. Through church history, most of the master teachers of the way of Jesus have agreed. Silence and solitude are the most important of all the spiritual practices. Now one says it too, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to him. Do you guys remember two weeks ago when we started the series, we read what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Does anybody remember it enough that they want to shout out what was in the verse? Okay, I'll remind you. (laughs) That was a big question. I mean, two weeks ago is a long time. We've been doing a lot of practicing since then. Matthew chapter 7, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And two weeks ago, I honed in on that practicing part. I really hammered away at like what practices are in our lives. We practice the way of Jesus. We got to really think about doing what he says. And becoming like Jesus. Well, there's another part of that verse I didn't emphasize that we're going to emphasize this week. Hear these words of mine. Hearing aids. Hear these words of mine. 
That's the start of it. So being a follower of Jesus is like a three-step thing. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. And do what he would do if he were you. I love that way of putting it. The practice of silence and solitude is all about being with Jesus. Hearing what he has to say. He waits for us in the still, quiet place. It also helps us become like Jesus. Because he did it too, guys. <laughs> he made a practice of getting away to be alone with the Father. You'll find these little sentences sprinkled throughout all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where it talks about Jesus getting away. I made you this lovely little uh, word cloud thing based on these little phrases, and I just want to read a bunch of them to you to hammer away the point that Jesus did this practice. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark 1.35. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 5.16. He went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Matthew 14.23. You guys are like, we're getting it. He withdrew again to a mountain by himself. That's in John. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. He withdrew by boat this time, privately, to a solitary place. And then in Mark chapter 6, he tells his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. David practiced this too. He writes about it all over the place, but I picked a couple. He said, I have calmed and quieted my soul. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. It's in the book of Lamentations. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, for the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And just in case you don't believe me, or you're going to go study this topic, grab a concordance, Google it, and look for words like wait, still, calm, quiet, or meditate. It is everywhere once you're looking for it. But would you guys like to try the practice together this morning? Oh, good. It only took one yes. And even if there were none, we were going to try it this morning. <laughs> so what I'd like you to do this morning is close your eyes, still your body, and just begin to breathe in and out deeply. While you're getting quiet, I'm going to speak some words that Jesus said over you. Just keep breathing in and out and let the words wash over you. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You can engage with that. I breathe in easy. Breathe out. Easy. <coughs> Light. How's it feel? 
your first practice of silence and solitude? Do you feel peaceful? Your body and your soul kind of at rest and calmed by that? Yeah, you can open your eyes. Or not, your pick. <laughs> but what we just did is called biblical meditation. I like it too. It's not the same as the meditation that's portrayed in movies or shows. It's not what you see in secular culture or like Eastern religions. It's not about emptying yourself or centering yourself or anything like that, finding your truth. None of those things are what biblical meditation is about. But it's a way of quieting body, soul, and spirit and letting the word of God get deeper into our soul. The word meditate, the Hebrew word for meditate in the Old Testament means to coo, mutter, groan, or muse. A couple of examples of where it's used in Psalm 119, it says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Psalm 77, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. And if you look for the phrase, uh, meditate on your law day and night, it's everywhere. So the biblical picture of meditation is to meditate on the word of God and the works of God. And as we kind of sum up this whole picture of this in the Bible, we make a practice of it day and night. All right, so let's try another one. You ready to try another? First one went pretty good, I think. So let's do another one. Okay, this is one that I've been doing a lot lately. Personal testimony. I've been enjoying this and getting a lot out of it. The idea, again, is to breathe in and breathe out deeply, and we're going to breathe in and out the fruits of the Spirit. All right, so go ahead. You can close your eyes. You can go ahead and peek and use the slide if you need to remember or have a prompt. But breathe. Here's how I do it. As I'm breathing in, I think a fruit of the Spirit. Like I think love and breathe in. And I breathe it out, love. So give it a try. I'm just going to be quiet and give you a, a minute to give it a, a try. All right, you can open your eyes. Maybe you didn't get through all nine, then it's a teaser. You can try it later. Get through the rest of them. <laughs> There's a joke in this, something about being fruity, right? Dan will shout it out when he comes up with it. I do work at Post where we make fruity pebbles. So, so we're actually halfway through the first of my four tips for how to do the practice of silence and solitude. The first tip for doing this practice is to be centered on the word of God and use this biblical meditation. The purpose of Christian silence and solitude is to be in the presence of God and to hear him. 
The anchor for this practice is the word of God, the Bible. So reading the Bible is an excellent way to start a session of silence and solitude. Reading the Bible is an excellent way to end a session of silence and solitude. And actually, reading the Bible is a really good thing to put in the middle of a session of silence and solitude. (laughs) Got to have something to mutter upon, to muse upon, and it's God's word. Let's see, Bonhoeffer said it this way. This is from his book called Life Together. Silence is the simple stillness of the individual under the word of God. Silence is nothing else but waiting for God's word and coming from God's word with a blessing. So like I said, silence is getting quiet. Solitude is getting alone. And when we finally are quiet and alone, there's room for God's word to speak. Not a sermon, not a podcast, not a commentary, just God's word itself. Those other things are awesome. And I actually like all of them very much. (laughs) But practicing the way of Jesus has to include some time where all those other voices are on mute. And only the only voice that can speak is God himself. That's tip one, centered on the word of God. Tip two is make room for rhema. We talked about it this morning already. What an awesome fit. And I promised we'd come back to it. So God speaks through his word, the Bible, like we just said. He also speaks directly to his people. And rhema, this is a Greek word in the New Testament that describes this direct word of God. We actually saw it a couple times in our reading plan this week, if you're doing the Bible in one year plan. Just one example was in Luke chapter 1. An angel comes with a message from the Lord to Mary. And what she says is, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your rhema, according to your word. It's also in chapter 2. The shepherds bring the message they heard from the Lord to her. And it says Mary kept all these rhemas, pondering them in her heart. So practicing silence and solitude makes room for rhema in your life. Jesus said in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice. You can expect to hear the voice of Jesus in your life. It can often come in the form of a picture, a word or a phrase in your mind's ear, or just a sense of what God is trying to communicate. Journaling is a great way to position yourself to receive a rhema word. Okay? couple of things about rhema just briefly uh first corinthians 14 talks about weighing a prophetic word when you receive a rhema word from the lord or from someone else you weigh it rhema words are subjective they're different than the bible so they have to be handled with care so they're not misused they're subject to the objective word of god they serve it they're not separate from it So a good practice is to submit a rhema word to a mentor or a spiritual authority in your life. And if you ever get a big rhema word you're planning to act on, having more than one person review it is a really good idea. A multitude of counselors is a wise practice when you're thinking about acting on a life-changing rhema word. 
Number three tip is to be consistent. Make it a consistent practice. We read about how it was a consistent practice for Jesus. And we need this in our own life rhythm too. Even more so when we're busy. Sometimes this falls off the radar when we get busy. But we actually need more silence and solitude, quiet and alone time with God when we are busy. You know, you won't see the maximum benefit of this practice if you just squeeze it in whenever and wherever time presents itself. <clears throat> I think it's still good for me, but less effective when I try this while I'm driving uh, down I-94 to Post Cereal Factory. I certainly can't close my eyes like you did this morning. That would be not smart. That's yeah, good wisdom, it sure is. <laughs> it's much more effective for me, this practice of silence and solitude, when I get up before everybody else, I make my coffee, Panera at-home hazelnut in the coffee maker. It's just what I like, guys. It's just what I like. Straight up. No cream or sugar in that. Um, I read, I breathe, I mutter, and I muse. And slowly I experience more and more of the true rest that Jesus promised. And slowly I become more and more like him. Now and said, a real discipline never remains vague or general. It is as concrete as, and specific as daily life itself. We've got to make it a consistent practice for it to do its work in our lives. All right, my fourth tip for the practice of silence and solitude is to come with reasonable expectations. All right, analogy time. This practice is a whole lot more like marathon running than like a magic wand. <laughs> I've run a couple of marathons. I know a, a couple of people I see in the room have done it too. So hopefully you're enjoying this. I am. Uh, you don't just show up and run 26.2 miles. Maybe those uniquely freakishly athletic individuals do that. But us regular people do not do that. Most of us train. Maybe we start out being able to run a mile or two, a few, a handful. But we slowly increase how far we run. You know, some days in training are pretty good. Some days stink. And a lot of them are just kind of uneventful. You're just logging the miles. But slowly over weeks and months, you become the kind of runner who can make it 26.2 miles. Which is a long way as it turns out. Those last six are a doozy, I'll tell you what. But silence and solitude as a practice, it works like that. You just keep doing it. You just keep training. And slowly, over time, you become the kind of person who hears God's voice, who looks and acts more and more like Jesus. You might extend your time or your depth of this practice, like the runner runs further or longer. Some days in silence and solitude are great, but most are uneventful. Nowen says, often you will feel that nothing happens in your prayer. You say, I'm just sitting there and getting distracted. Yes, I've said that. But if you develop the discipline, you will gradually discover that something is happening of which you are not even conscious. 
What's happening is you're becoming like Jesus. Remember, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and it's preparing you to go do what Jesus would do if he were you. In that book Bonhoeffer wrote called Life Together, he encourages us, encourages us not to bring conditions or expectations into this practice. You know, instead of expecting the magic wand to wave over you when you get quiet and alone with God, just be still, submit yourself to the training, and over time you will experience the transformation. Bonhoeffer expresses this idea, um, I try to put words to like, don't impose upon it your own expectation that you're going to be struck like lightning with a new idea or some profound thought every morning when you do it or evening, whenever you do it. Instead, just let it be what it is. The goal is to let the spirit and the word of God get through all the noise and find its resting place in your soul. And as it finds its resting place in your soul, you'll find true rest in him. Holy Spirit is on that word. <laughs> yeah. So the idea is not to impose on God that he has to give you some new idea or some profound thought or a scripture to post on social media when you're in your quiet time. Whatever those distractions are, we just put them away and we just soak in his word. If all you do is say easy and light for 15 minutes while you're breathing deeply, great. That's not profound, but it's the words of Jesus. Just soaking it in. Fruits of the Spirit are not all that amazing when I breathe them in and out, but I know all nine. They're with me. They're a part of me, you know, and as I breathe them in, I get peace. I feel love, you know, those fruits get into your soul. That's good stuff. Amen. All right. Um, Just a couple more notes on the practice of silence and solitude. This can really be a home base and a launch pad for life. It's where you connect with the Spirit of God, where you get anchored in his truth, and then from this home base, you can face your day. Gets us ready to move at his pace like we talked about last week. In meditation, God's word seeks to enter in and remain with us. It strives to stir us, to work and operate in us, so that we shall not get away from it the whole day long. Then it will do its work in us, often without our being conscious of it. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So as we meditate on God's word in the quiet time, it will then light our way as we leave the quiet time and go on about our day. It's also a place of conversion and transformation. Nowen wrote, Solitude is not a private therapeutic place. Rather, it is the place of conversion 
The place where the old self dies and the new self is born. The place where the emergence of the new man and the new woman occurs. For Christians, this practice is an ongoing process of conversion and transformation. But maybe someone listening to this message this morning has never experienced the transforming power of Jesus. Maybe you haven't ever experienced the rest we're talking about because you've not made Jesus your Lord and Savior. I want to encourage you to do that today. Go for it. If that's you, you can come see the prayer team or me or Merrily after service, and we would love to pray with you. For those who have made Jesus Lord, it's in silence and solitude that we keep from conforming to the pattern of this world and are transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's Romans 12.2. Now one said, solitude is the furnace of transformation. Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. It's for transformation. It also guards the fire within. Now one's got a quote about this. I'll read it to you in a second. I was like, we got to have a whole section. Like, this is just too good. It's short, so, so stay tuned, but uh, it's really good. So some of you have experienced life-altering transformation, experiences with God that have just changed your life. I have too, and that's incredible. It's awesome. So let's commit to continue to be transformed. Let's commit to steward well the transformation he's given us, you know, to carry it, to keep alive and well the passion that was stirred in our hearts whenever that encounter occurred. Let's keep the flames of the Holy Spirit burning in our souls. Silence guards the fire within and protects the inner fire. This inner heat is the life of the Holy Spirit within us. Thus, silence is the discipline by which the inner fire of God is tended and kept alive. So if you want to experience a lasting revival, renewal, the Holy Spirit alive and well in your life, tend that fire daily in the quiet place. Take time. My shirt says, to be still and know that he is God. Merrily, why don't you come and wrap it up? Yeah, let's just close our eyes and be still for a moment and know that he is God. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us practice this morning. Help us to incorporate it into our lives and begin to see the fruit from it over time that Bill shared with us this morning about. Mm. Thank you, Jesus, for your example. And we want to be like you and practice the things that you practiced. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen.